Well, today we begin a brand new series of messages that we're titling Joy Regardless. Did you know, did you know that America ranks 19th, 19th in the world of 156 nations that were, you know, surveyed, I guess, 19th on the happiness index. And when we fall, we fall right, <laughs> we fall below Belgium. Okay, now here's what Jimmy Kimmel said about that. Now, I'm not a Jimmy Kimmel fan particularly, but I really like what he said here. He said, we are less happy than Belgium, who puts mayonnaise on their French fries. Cheer up, people. You know, it's so 19th on the happiness index. Now, if you add something to that, there was a 2019 survey. This was just last year uh, that told us that the unhappiness index, that's my term, rose by 50%. Now, wait a minute. Now, now, don't get too, you know, don't get too worried about that. It rose from 18 to 13%. But that equates of a population of uh, adults in America, ready for this, about 20, <laughs> 27 million people. There's, I'll, just, I'll just say it this way. There's a lot of unhappy campers out there. Can we just, can we just be honest? A lot of unhappiness is floating around. And that, ready for this, that was before the events of the last three months. I can't even imagine at this point kind of where the unhappiness index might be for us in America. But I wonder, I wonder, I'm curious, how are you scoring on the happiness or unhappiness index in April of 2020? Do, do, you, do you have joy regardless of all of the things that are swirling around each of us at this particular moment. Now, you know, I just, I just think it's something that we have, to, we have to address. We've got to talk about. And I, I think something is really critical at this point. We're going to talk about joy. It's important to understand there is a distinction between joy and happiness. And, and Skip Heitzig, who is a who, who pastors in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he, he made this statement a few years ago, and I thought it was really good about happiness, and I just want to share it with you. Happiness is vacillating. Joy is fixed. You can be going through horrible and unhappy circumstances and yet have joy because happiness goes up and down, ready for this, depending on the happenings. Happiness depends on happenings. Happiness depends on happenstance. Happiness is all about the hap. You may, you may not know what the word hap is, but it's an old word that literally means chance. And so when chance falls favorably towards us, we're happy. But when it doesn't, we're unhappy. That is, that is just so significant and so powerful. I think all of us would probably agree that our unhappiness is being, or rather our happiness is being challenged every day. But is our joy being challenged? Because if joy is fixed, there has to be something that joy is anchored to. So we want to talk about that for a little while today, but then also as we study the book of Philippians, and that's what this study is going to be about. The book of Philippians is a great, great book. 
found a quote from Billy Sunday, who was a, an evangelist. He gave up his Major League Baseball career to preach the good news, and this is what he said. If you have no joy, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. So I can't think of a better, a, a better topic for us to talk about. Then I couldn't agree more with that, because of anybody, of anybody on the planet that should be filled with joy, inexpressible joy, abundant joy, live with that joy all the time. It should be you and I as followers of Christ. So we're going to talk about joy regardless. So I'll just put it in the question, are we? Do we have joy regardless? You see, Scripture is filled with different approaches to joy. And what I want to do is very quickly, I want to walk through about 10 passages of Scripture, just verses and a couple of verses. Now, I'm going to do it fast. So if you're following along today in version, just stay up with this. It's all there. In fact, that's the best way to connect. You're going to have the notes and the Scriptures with you. And so I'm going to move quickly, as I said. So we're going to begin by reading Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Don't be dejected and sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 16, 11. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forevermore. Psalms 126, 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Isaiah 12, verse 3. Oh, the joy of drinking deeply from the fountain of salvation. Isaiah 35.10. The Lord will make his people free. Gladness and joy will fill them completely. Isaiah 61.10. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. Now listen to Habakkuk 3.17 and 18. Even though the fig tree, the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Romans 14, 14 verse 17. In the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. The important things are living right with God, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And one more, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. Man, that is just so good. It is so good. Remember, the gospel, the gospel, that word itself means good news. It's not bad news. It's not even mediocre news. It's good news. E. Stanley Jones, who was a missionary in India many years ago, so he said, when I met Jesus, I felt like I had swallowed sunshine. Oh, once again, that is just so good. I wonder, is that what is characterizing your life at this moment? Or have the circumstances overwhelmed the joy that should be fixed in our life as a follower of Jesus. It's not just being happy or unhappy, but joy needs to be fixed, fixed. And so when it is, when it is, when we swallow sunshine, if there's not a leak in our Christianity, joy should be something that we experience 
regardless, that we live with regardless. So as we move into a study in the book of Philippians, we're going to take our time with it. I don't know how many weeks we're going to do it. We're just going to let God lead us in this regard. But Paul was on his second missionary journey when the, the church in Philippi, Philippians, when that church began, when he planted that church. And what is really significant about the planting of that church, Paul and his traveling companions, literally, it was a sovereign, a sovereign word of the Holy Spirit to get them to get to Philippi. They were, had plans to go other places, but God directed them there. And out of that, a wonderful church was built. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles, if you, if you don't have your Bibles already open, I hope you do, or you're in version. I'm not going to read the major portions of chapter 16 of the book of Acts. That's where you find the formation of this church. I want to highlight a couple of things, but I want to read a couple of verses. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, kind of sets it in motion for you. From Troas, this is on the second missionary journey, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi. Now, hear this. A Roman colony and, a, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. So it was in that journey, when they got to Philippi, and they're, and they're staying in the town, that the church was formed. And it was really formed around three very unique and significant moments. The first was what I would say is the place of prayer, the place of prayer. So what ended up happening is normally when Paul would go to a particular city, he'd go to the synagogue and he would talk to those gathered at the synagogue about the Old Testament scriptures proving Jesus was the Messiah. That was his message. Well, he gets to Philippi, there is no synagogue. Now, some believe that the reason there was no synagogue is there weren't enough men to form one, and that was a, a requirement for a synagogue to be in existence in a particular city. There had to be a certain minimum number of men. So he goes to the place of prayer. It's out by the river, and he meets a number of women there. One of those women was by the name of Lydia. And Lydia, she was one of those early adopters Paul speaks the message of Jesus and she responds. And out of that, she invites Paul and his traveling companions to her home. That is most likely where the church then began to reside, was in the house of Lydia. The second thing, so we have the place of prayer. The second thing that happens, there was a miraculous deliverance. There was a young girl in the city of Philippi that would predict the future. And she was a slave girl. And she was making a lot of money for her owners. And she was proclaiming some things, and Paul just got tired of this. And he said, and he turned around, and he literally, he just said, There's, this is an evil spirit. This is demonic. This is not going to happen. And this young girl was delivered. She was set free. And then from there, what ends up happening is Paul and, and Silas, one of his traveling companions, end up in prison because of this deliverance of this young girl. The owners didn't like it too much. So that's where you have the third part of this story of how the church came into existence. So about midnight, and this is the third part, in jail at midnight. So you have the place of prayer, you have a miraculous deliverance, and now you have the jail at midnight. Paul and Silas are in stocks. They've been beaten. Why? Because they had, they had brought this young lady out of a place of oppression 
into a place of freedom. And about midnight, they're singing and worshiping God, and there's an earthquake, and they're released. And out of that, the jailer panicked and said, you know, oh my goodness, this is, this is the end of me. He was ready to kill himself because of it. Paul said, don't do it, don't do it. And from that, the jailer and his entire household came to faith in Christ. So out of those three events, the church in Philippi came into existence. So as you now fast forward, Paul gets to the place where he is now going to write a letter to them. And I just want you to know how much Paul loved this church. I think as I have studied, one of the things that I was discovering is most people believe that this is his favorite church, his, his favorite group of people. Now, I'm not here to say he was, it was or wasn't. I'm just saying that's what, it's, that's what it seems to indicate. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 tells us kind of how he feels. Therefore, brothers and my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord. Wow. You hear those words? How wonderful that is? Whom I love, whom I long for, my joy and my crown. He loved these folks. He loved these folks. And there are so many themes that we discover in the book of Philippians. There are great themes, but there's one overriding theme that gives us the understanding or how we're going to approach this book, and it's the theme of joy. In fact, the word joy or rejoice is found within these four chapters 16 different times. What is remarkable about that is Paul's circumstances. Now remember, joy is fixed. Happiness and unhappiness are fleeting. They're up and down. They're based on happenings. You know where Paul is? Paul's in jail. And he's writing about joy. And some of you, some of you right now say, man, can I relate to that jail thing? This quarantine this quarantine, this stay at home, oh my goodness. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. You know what is significant too when you realize that Paul is in jail? Some believe that Paul could have been in jail as much as five years by now. But that when he was imprisoned originally in Jerusalem and then all of that incarceration from that point until now when most likely he's in Rome and writing the, book, the, the, the letter to the Philippians, five years. Yet, yet, in that five-year period of time, he hasn't lost his joy. He hasn't lost his joy. This past week, Marcy and I, Marcy was on uh, social media somewhere, and she found a post that was really funny. She shared it with me, and while I can't replicate it exactly, here's, here's the essence of it. You ready? Some of you feel just like this. 2020 is a leap year. So, we had 29 days in February. Then, we had 310 days in March, and now we're having a year for every day in the month of April. In other words, we are just experiencing something we've never experienced. And if I, if I kind of understand, I think I do, we're feeling, we're feeling pressed. We're feeling like our joy is being ripped from us, even the things that are, that are, that, that, affix them to us. Our happiness and our unhappiness is being challenged every time we turn around. And so this letter is so significant to us because Paul's in jail, but yet his joy remains. 
It is joy regardless. So today we're going to look at two verses. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So would you look at them with me, please? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Speak life to us and encouragement and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. These first two verses underscore three, <clears throat> three things that I see that help us deepen and sustain our joy. The first one is this. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. Just, just in the month of February, we came out of a series that we titled Relationomics. And one of the phrases that I used on a regular basis is this phrase. Everything rises and falls on the quality of our relationships. And that, that statement is as true then as it is now. And maybe it is more true today than it's ever been. Relationships are critically important for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And what we have discovered over these last six weeks, this is our sixth Sunday now doing online church. Over these six weeks and all of the changes that have occurred in, these six, in this six-week period of time, here's something that I know is happening. Everything in your life and my life has been flipped on its head. Everything has been disrupted. And one of the things that's been disrupted is our relationships. That we've been separated from family. We've been separated from friends. We don't have the typical interactions that we normally have. And it reinforces to me how valuable relationships are. Relationships matter. And I want you to know something. Relationships don't have to come to a close because we are separated, because we can't gather together. There are ways that we can stay connected. And just two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, or whatever it was, last Friday, Good Friday, we came together for a Zoom communion on Friday night. It was awesome. We were connected. You say, but Gary, we weren't physically together, but we were connected. To be connected doesn't require that we have to be physically in the same room. We can stay connected. So here's what I'm, I'm going to say, and I'm going to push on this pretty hard. And I want you to hear my heart as your pastor this morning. Every one of you, every one of us who calls Crossroads Church their home, you need to be in a life group. And I'm going to go one step farther. It's not optional. It's mandatory. You say, you can't do that to me. Well, I know I can't really, but I want you to hear my heart of how important that life group is to you, to your connections, to those relationships, for you to nurture those relationships. It is not something that should be an afterthought. It shouldn't be secondary. It should be the priority at this moment to stay connected. So here's what's happening. Starla Hoffman, who is, who is one of our pastoral team members, does such a great job, and she oversees life groups. So we are working very diligently right at this moment to form new life groups, to help those life groups who are already in place to be even stronger, 
So here's what, I'm, here's what I'm asking this morning. Life group leaders, as you are watching me this morning, I want you to know something. Starla's going to be in connection with you, and we're going to create new environments and new ways to be connected as time goes forward. For those of us in life groups, be ready for your leaders to be in touch with you and set up mechanisms by which you can meet together online. Also, if you're not in a life group right now, I want you to write this down. Starla at gotocrossroads.com. Once again, Starla at gotocrossroads.com. Email her and say, Starla, I want to be in a life group. Help me get connected. We can do this. We can do this. I'm going to go one step farther. There are some of you out there trying to figure out how in the world can I, in this moment of, of relational disconnect, how can I Use my gifts and my talents to connect with other people. Here's the way to do it. Tell Starla when you email her, I will lead an online life group. We can do this. Why? Because relationships matter. They matter. And this morning, if you happen to be watching me, and you're not a part of Crossroads Church, but you're really interested in this connection, email us. We'll help you. We'll do whatever we can to get you connected in some way so that you are not in a place of disconnect and that that joy can be deepened and sustained in your life because relationships matter. And you say, okay, Gary, that's good, but where is that in the passage that you're talking about? It's really found in three different things. First, it's found in this, in this just simple word, Timothy. Paul and Timothy. These guys are connected. They're connected. They are deep deeply connected. In fact, 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, and 2 Timothy 1 and verse 2 highlight it. Paul would say this to Timothy in a personal letter, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. In 2 Timothy verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2, he says, to Timothy, my dear son. You see, there's a relationship here. There's a deep relationship. And one of the things that I am so grateful for in relationships is this. When Marcy and I went through a very difficult time a number of years ago, there were some very dear friends, dear friends who stood with us, who came alongside us. And I will tell you, our circumstances were crummy. They were crummy. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you another word. Yucky. You can figure out whatever word works for you. Our circumstances weren't good. And it was pushing against happiness. And I would say when it pushes against happiness long enough, it begins to get to the, the root of joy and rip the joy from you. But there were friends. There were relationships that stood alongside us. I want to tell you something. It made the difference. It sustained and it deepened our joy because that joy is fixed. The second word here is saints. Saints. When Paul addresses the church at Philippi, he uses in the New International I just read a moment ago, God's holy people. Other translations use the word saints. Now, saints is not how we might characterize or define saints. You know, a saint for this, a saint for that. What Paul is referencing here is just maybe the better translation is God's holy people. It's all of us. It's those of us who know Jesus Christ. Why is it significant? Because when Paul writes to this church, he's writing to the people. There's an inclusiveness here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, I love the way the message paraphrases this. Treat everyone you meet with dignity, love, dignity. Love your spiritual family. 
revere God, respect the government. You, you notice that middle phrase, love your spiritual family. Paul shows that very clearly by writing this letter to God's holy, to everyone, but he also includes overseers and deacons. So he's talking about leaders, leaders. And let me just add, those who serve you as a church in the leadership of Crossroads are praying for you. They're thinking of you. You are in their hearts. The third word, you're gonna love this one, Jesus, Jesus. On three different occasions, Paul references Jesus, Christ Jesus, in this opening two verses of greeting. Because the relationship that matters the most, that will deepen and sustain your joy, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Most importantly, over everything else, it's a relationship with Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you, do you know him? Not know about him, not heard about him, maybe not even read about him, but do you know him? Do you know him? You can, you can, and you can know him today in a personal way by just stating what God's word says. If, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, be in relationship with him. That's the relationship that matters most. So do you know him? Paul would say later on in the book of Philippians, chapter three, verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else. That's the most important relationship of all. I heard about a little country boy that said it this way. When asked, after having come to faith, what was the difference? What was the difference with Jesus now as, as your Savior and Lord? This is what he said. I feel better now when I feel bad than when I used to feel good. Let that sink in a minute. I, I love it. I feel better now when I used to feel bad than when I used to feel good. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does in our life. So relationships matter. Second thing this morning to help sustain and deepen our joy is that attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Someone wrote a number of years ago, the only, the only difference between a good day and a bad day is attitude. Man, that is, that is absolutely true. You, you've heard the phrase, I get up on the wrong side of the bed. Attitude, attitude. You, you know, the days that we're living in is challenge, are challenging. No one will deny that. But I wonder, I wonder how we're facing it. What's our attitude towards the day? What's our attitude towards the conditions that we find ourselves presently experiencing? Now, there's a, Paul says something here that's really significant when it relates, as it relates to attitude. You might not see it initially, but he just says this. Calls himself, he and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Not apostles, not followers, not leaders. I mean, servants. Literally, he's saying we're slaves. We're slaves. And the idea of what Paul is saying, it, it's, he is, he's taking upon himself an, a posture of humility and submission. Think about that. He's been in prison for five years, approximately. That's what we're going to go on. Five years. And now in this place, he's humble. He's submitted to where he is 
to what his circumstances are? Why? Because everything Paul is and everything Paul is doing is for the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, what Paul is saying, his prison cell is okay because it's all in the service of Jesus. Everything is okay no matter what is happening because of whom to whom I belong. Joy regardless, even under the present conditions, are okay. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah would say in Isaiah 57. The high and lofty one lives in eternity. The holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Oh my goodness. You see how joy can be sustained and deepened even in the middle of very challenging moments when our hearts are humble? He restores us. And I believe as Paul says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. It's probably said with joy. That's to whom I belong. I serve him. I'm where I'm at because of Jesus. And it's good. It's all good because of Jesus. Why? Because that's the relationship that matters the most. Jesus would say in Matthew 26, yet not as I will, but as you will. I wonder if we have, I don't know that I have prayed that prayer. Lord, this, you're, you're, you're instrumental in everything that's happening at this moment. Your will be done, not my own. And then James 4, verse 7 and 10, submit yourselves unto God, humble yourselves before the Lord. And what? He will lift you up. Our attitude, our attitude and the choices we make today will be our life tomorrow. Attitude is everything. It's everything. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Look at what Paul says to this church. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Man, when our attitude is right, humble, submitted, regardless of what's going on around us, joy remains. It's joy regardless because attitude is everything. Finally, this morning, the third thought is that resources are unlimited. So once again, let's look back. Relationships matter. Attitude is everything. And now resources are unlimited. I think all of us have experienced something just, I don't think any of us saw coming, was the whole thing about toilet paper. I, I, cannot, I cannot even conceive of what has happened here. So let's go back. Let's say to Christmas time. <clears throat> and Around Christmas time, you go into a, gro you go into a grocery store, you go into Costco, uh, Sam's Club, wherever you may shop, and you go down the toilet paper aisle, the, the paper aisle, and it's fully stocked. And people are getting ready for Christmas holidays and New Year's, and there is just ample supply of toilet paper. It is everywhere. And then this happens, there's none to be found. N none. Every shelf is empty. They're limiting what, what just happened. What we thought was an abundant supply evidently wasn't all that abundant. Now, <laughs> I don't know what the reasons are. Uh, you know, hoarding notwithstanding, I mean, that's kind of nutty. I read of a guy yesterday who's trying to return 
oh, an immense amount of paper products and the store is refusing to return it, to take it back. It's just, you, you kind of can't figure all this out. But what we thought was an unlimited supply turned out to be it was pretty limited, at least under these conditions. Not so with God. There's an unlimited supply of resource from our Heavenly Father that we should remember and allow his grace and his peace to be abundant in our life. And those are really the two resources that Paul speaks to, grace and peace. He does, here's two things. First, he understands that God is the source of those. God is the originator of, of grace, and he is the originator of peace, and they are in unlimited supply. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, and the God of all grace, let me just stop. Notice, all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast, to him be the power forever and ever, amen. You see that? The God of all grace, he will restore. His grace, his grace is an unlimited supply for you and for me. <clears throat> the second observation that Paul addresses is it. I, I believe that Paul speaks from experience. From experience. When Paul says this to the Philippians, he's talking about grace and peace. You notice he says, Grace and peace from the Father, he then gives it to them. So that tells me that he's experienced something firsthand that he is now sharing with his friends in Philippi. And the same is true for us. What Paul has experienced, he wants us to take full advantage and receive it. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's talking about Paul's, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he said, take it away. And God's response, my grace is sufficient. Can I just tell you right now, God's grace is sufficient for what you and I are experiencing at this very moment. Today and tomorrow, and until this ends, and really for the rest of life, God's grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. We also would read in Philippians 4, verse 7, and Paul says, And the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul knew this stuff. He's not speaking just philosophically. He's speaking from a point of understanding. You see, joy regardless is directly related and connected to the unlimited resources of God. There's nothing that you and I are experiencing that God does not have ample resource to meet our every concern. So as we bring our time to a conclusion this morning, relationships matter. Get in a life group. Get in a life group. Attitude is everything. Our attitude today is what our life is going to be tomorrow. So, Jesus, adjust my attitude. Adjust my attitude. And then remember that God's resources 
are unlimited. These three things will deepen and sustain our joy. So I would just ask you, how are your relationships? Most importantly, your relationship to Christ. We, we talked about that a moment ago. Can I, can I just invite you to choose Christ today? Choose him. Start with that. Start with that. And then connect in a way that we can journey that, uh, that relationship with Jesus that you have begun. Email us. Let us know. Text us at 951-331-5167. Let us know. I'm choosing Christ today. Best decision you will ever make. And also, you can use that same text number if you have a prayer need. Let us know. Let us know. How's your attitude? You know, I think every day I can get up and say, God, adjust my attitude. Change me. Change me. I think all of us could be in a similar place. When our attitude is right, it's joy, regardless. And then, I just wonder, how's the storage? How's the storage of grace and peace? in your house, as it were. It's unlimited and available to you. Such a delight to have an opportunity to come where you are and share the word of the Lord this morning. And as we close out our time, I wanna pray for you. And just know that in these days that we're living within at this moment, it's not always gonna be this way. But while it is, we can have joy Regardless, pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. And I pray for each person under the sound of my voice who's watching me online, wherever they might be, I pray that joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory, would truly be their life experience. Thank you that you can, that we can have joy regardless. We discover some ways to deepen and sustain that joy. Let that be our life today. Let that be what on our hearts, in our words, in our communications. I pray, Lord, that we would connect, that we would understand how important relationships are. I pray, Lord, that you would adjust our attitudes. I pray, Lord, that we would look to your unlimited resources of grace and peace in all of life. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a wonderful week, a wonderful week. In your name we pray. Amen.